you could have more fulfillment and ease in your professional and personal life and still be ambitious. Join me, Kathy Onetto, founder of Sustainable Ambition, for conversations with experts, authors, and friends on what it means to live with sustainable ambition. Learn concepts, tips, and tools to craft a fulfilling career on your terms while still being ambitious and avoiding burnout. For show notes from this episode, visit sustainableambition.com slash podcast. Now, let's learn more to help you craft your career to support your life from decade to decade. On to today's conversation. Welcome back, everyone. First, I want to say for those tuning in, I'm so grateful to have you as part of my listening community. I really hope you get value from the show and find what we cover here at the Sustainable Ambition Podcast of value to help you manage your career from decade to decade with more fulfillment and ease while still being ambitious. Now, I'm thrilled to be here today with Talia Rosenblum, a certified health and life coach. In today's conversation, we're going to be digging into burnout, which has been a big topic of late, and I'm sure we'll cover even more. But first, Talia, let me welcome you to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here and chat about this stuff. Obviously, I love it. And I love your take on everything as well. So I'm really looking forward to chatting. Me too. So before my first question, let me also properly introduce you all to Talia. Uh, Talia works with high-performing professionals who have hit burnout or are on their expressway there. She helps clients find clarity around what's important and how to balance and live their lives to the fullest. Talia started her career in the fast-paced luxury hospitality industry and since uh, has spent her career in the technology industry working with hotels. Her career took her around the world training software to employees ranging from room attendants up to C-suite executives. From there, she grew to manage over 50 team members. That's a big team. Guided her teams through two acquisitions from a company of 50 to 18,000 managed through workforce reductions and many, many more changes, small and large. And now Talia works as a coach and received her health and life coaching certification from the Health Coach Institute. So as I mentioned, we are going to be talking about burnout. And I'd love to start, Talia, with having you tell us a little bit more about burnout because I feel like we often throw around this term like, oh, I'm just burnt out. I'm getting burnt out. So what is burnout actually? Yeah, you know, it's it's a great question. Um, I'll start with the like kind of dry side of it, which according to the World Health Organization, which was in 2019 is when it became recognized. It's really all about chronic stress based on the workplace. And the reason I say that is like, like you said, burnout pops up everywhere. Like I have parental burnout. I have this, and I'm not discounting any of those, but certainly my focus is on the work domain. Um, and it's interesting to be quite frank. It's like, sometimes I actually try and avoid the terminology because of that. And that people don't always recognize fully what it is. And for me, it's simply losing the passion, not feeling excited at work anymore, being tired, exhausted, and really emotionally, mentally, and physically 
you're not doing well. And the root problem is your work. It's, you know, how you're showing up. If you have problems in the organization, it's all these things, but it's really taking a toll on your entire life. Not just like I had a bad day. So it is really a long process to get there. But oftentimes I think people don't really realize when they are there is why it's kind of confusing sometimes. Yeah. And I look forward to digging into this a little bit more because I think giving some people, people some clues to what to look out for. And now I know you have experienced burnout yourself. And I was wondering if you would mind sharing your experience. And to that point, like what were some of the clues that you were noticing that were telling you that you were burnt out? Yeah, that's a a great question. And, um, you know, my story really was I've, I've always been a very driven person. I was always focusing on my career, how to grow, what was the next step, kind of doing, 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 and moved into the hospitality and technology world, which I managed a team that supported hotels around the world. So you can imagine I was taking calls at 3 a.m. I was putting out fires all the time. And I was very energized by all of this. But I kind of kept doing it and I realized that like, I didn't feel good. I wasn't really enjoying life. I felt like I had nothing outside of work. And I slowly started to like, kind of be like, what is happening right now? And I like to call it my existential crisis. All of a sudden I realized that I thought I was doing all of these things that were gonna make me happy. And this was my path. And I was doing all of the things and I was trying to do everything. And I really wasn't happy with it. And it, it just seemed so wrong and it didn't make any sense because I was doing the things that I was supposed to. I was working tons. I was moving up in the corporate ladder. I was, you know, growing and I had like control over things and it was great. But there was just this little thing that I, I, I wasn't happy. So at that point is when I hit burnout, but I actually didn't really know I was burnt out at the time. Instead, I just was like, okay, I got to start taking care of myself. I've got to, you know, start exercising, eating better. I, this is when I started my meditation practice, all of these things that I was like, okay, well, what, I I don't even know what to do right now, but I'm just going to try and take control over some of these things to kind of help that. And, um, Slowly, I got a little bit better and a little bit better. And that was at the point I also adopted my dog, Bowie. You might see him running in the background here, or you might hear him. I hope not. Um, But I needed something outside of work to really get me to leave the office. There's nothing that got me to leave the office until I had a living thing that was relying on me. And it was really at that point that I started to understand that I had hit burnout. And then I just hit this wall that I like, I just couldn't anymore. And, you know, everything seems so difficult and mentally, physically, and emotionally, I just, I had nothing left because I was so drained from it. And that obviously is a very intense statement, but I don't even know how it's to describe it for me personally, other than I had nothing left to give. And what's interesting to me about what you're describing, you know, you said in your first response, like it's a long process. And I think that's what happens to many of us is that 
the process starts and you don't realize the full impact of it until the weight is so heavy or you're, you know, so unhappy or you're so exhausted that you're kind of breaking or it's like your body is telling you, you just can't go on. And I'm wondering as you look back now, and even as you're like working with clients or like, how do you raise awareness and start to tell people like, these are the clues you should start to be paying attention to. Like, when do you start to realize like you're starting to lose yourself or that you're on the slippery slope towards burnout? Yeah, absolutely. And um, I can go into like some specifics, but I'm going to start really broad because I think it's very important. And one of the things that was so eye-opening to me and also clients that I've worked with is when you look at who you're being in and out of the office and you feel like you don't recognize that person. And that can be for so many different reasons. You know, a lot of people I have coached myself, I felt like I wasn't the manager, the leader I wanted to be. I was short. I was snappy. I like realized that I wasn't showing up how I wanted to. But when you're in the moment, it's so hard to see that. But when you stop and take stock, it's like, wait, who am I? Who am I being right now? Like, this isn't me or this isn't the person I want to be. So those are kind of, that's like the big picture is when it's like, you don't recognize the person you are. Um, Other things that I see a lot of, and I kind of talk through, like a lot of people say like, I just need a week off, right? I need some PTO and then I'm going to get back and I'll be fine. And then there's the people that just start looking for another job and they're like, okay, well, I'm going to leave here because my work is the problem. It's not me. But the problem is, is like they might move to another job and if they haven't recovered or changed the way they work, they're still going to be burnt out there. So those are a few things that like are the things people start noticing when they usually start coming to me. There's a whole lot more, you know, Health-wise, people tend to have high blood pressure. Hello, I can't imagine I'm alone. I was 30 and I didn't believe the doctor. I was like, it's just a busy day. It's no big deal. Um, So you have all those health things. And then another thing that's like a lot more personal is challenges with your relationships, which is just not feeling like you're showing up how you want to. Um, Again, it's sort of similar to that how you're showing up at work thing, how you're showing up in your relationships. Are you showing up? Are you making time for them? Those are all things that start being triggers where it's like, wow, I'm just taking these big steps away from the person I think I am and how I'm showing up and I don't recognize it anymore. So those are some of the things that I personally have experienced. And I think that people kind of start to notice it first. I think that there are things that come before that, right? You, you know, the sleep, not sleeping well, that usually kind of starts creeping up, right? Because you're ruminating, thinking about work instead of sleeping and all of that. Um, So those are some of like, some of my top things that I think people most, mostly see. Yeah, that's so interesting. And I, I hear you kind of saying, on one of these, or maybe it's both in terms of how the being at work and then the being in relationships, it's like, you're really not showing up as your best self is what I'm hearing. 100%. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. 
So then you started to describe even for yourself, it's almost like when people start to recognize this, how do they start to, and oftentimes, again, people are a little bit too far along. I know I've experienced this, right? right. To where we're kind of like, okay, how do we start to clamor back and take some control? And you mentioned that you said, you know, I wanted to take some control of some things for yourself and like to start to, I don't know, get yourself back into a happier state or just, um, you know, rejuvenate yourself. But like, where do you start with recovering from burnout? Yeah. And that's a, that's a really great question. Um, I think a lot of times you have to start external to work. And again, those are the things that you can control. I'm going to, you know, go out to dinner with someone. I'm going to plan it. It is going to happen. And that will kind of create that time box around work for, you know, an evening so that you're leaving the office. But, you know, the other things that you can do is really focus on the things that you have started to notice that aren't in alignment, right? And if it's, you know, for example, being snappy or having the responses that you feel like aren't really supportive of who you are, really thinking about how do I change that? What can I do? What's one small thing I can do when I feel myself starting to get triggered, starting to get frustrated? How can I change that? And it's not going to be a quick one. But if you can try and make one little small change where you know you pause before you send an email that you know is going to, because you're triggered and frustrated by the email, walking away before you send it, what can you do? And that's kind of taking back that control over your situation, how you're showing up and the little things that you're doing every single day. Um, that's a, that's a small little step though. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there is, um, there are many things right to unwind. And part of what I'm hearing you describe is that for many people around burnout, there's this like it's almost like an attachment to work and it's, you know, it's almost like we get addicted to work. And what I'm hearing you say is like, kind of how do we break that cycle and how do we kind of put in place? I actually hate this term, but forcing functions, right? Like mm -hmm. I got a pet because I knew I had, it would get me out of the office because I had to go home and walk him. You right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, but is that what you often find is that like a lot of people, cause there's other factors, um, you know, like a stressful work environment or a toxic work environment that can also contribute to burnout. But do you find that a lot of people, especially these days, part of this is just this attachment to work and it's kind of needing to break that cycle? Yeah, absolutely. I actually, um, I strongly feel that we are very, very um, stuck on our professional identities as our whole personal identities. And I know that's, you know, for me, it's like I grew up working when I was young and then, you know, worked all throughout college. Work was super important to me and I wanted to be financially stable and I didn't want to have to rely on anyone. And, you know, then have been single for the majority of my life. And so it's like I had to provide, I had to do that. And the only way to do those things was my career. And so it, it's so true. Like we have this Uber focus and then you add in the people that are perfectionists, the high performers, all of those things that put 
all the weight on our shoulders, we really do put a lot into who we are. And um, one thing I always kind of talk about that I find so interesting that really paints this is, you know, when kids are young, like starting with three years old, you know, you, you start asking them, what do you want to be when you grow up? And, you know, there's usually a little bit older than three. They start saying, I want to be a lawyer. I want to be a doctor. You know, the five things they know plus what their parents do. Um, though I did, one of my best friend's kids said he wanted to be a pirate on a motorcycle. That's what you get for asking a three-year-old, which is awesome. But, um, you know, we start doing this at such a young age. So we are ingraining that importance of what you do as your career. And it's really something that we take with us. And and even when you grow out of that, what's the question when people start going to college? What's your major? And I know I had a major that was not useful whatsoever. I loved it, but I would always start saying, but I'm going to do X, Y, and Z afterwards because I knew there was this stress and this importance on your career, what you did, how successful you are. And we put so much into that when really it's important. It's our livelihood. It's how we make money. But what about everything else? <laughs> right? Like, what? like it's your life. We're here to enjoy it, not just work. You have so much more. Yes, there's so much more. I, I really love what you're saying here. It's so interesting. It's it's like the guidance that people give around, like when you go to, you know, um, which I know we can't do now, but a cocktail party or something like that, you know, ask somebody something beyond just like, what do you do? Right. And I love this idea that, you know, what if we brought in the questions that we asked ourselves at different, you know, stages of our lives from the kid time we're children to, you know, early adulthood in terms of these more um, really around, well, more well-rounded, sorry, getting right. to the term, like <laughs> questions about like who we are as individuals and how do we, you know, um, and that would be a really interesting exercise to come right. up with like this range of questions that we ask, like, how do you want to show up in the world? Like, you know, um, and it's not just based on one's profession. Right. And, and I get it. We spend 40 hours, probably plus a week working and it's super important, but you know, we, we, we work so we can live. We don't live so we can work and like changing that. And, and you're so true. And even I think about, you know, oftentimes when I'm introducing people, it's like, here's so-and-so they do X, Y, and Z. Cause it's such this natural thing built into us. And it's like, why is that the most important thing to pass on? Right. Well, and that's such an American culture thing, too. I think this would be a really interesting study, you know, to do across cultures and to hear kind of what are the questions that are asked of young children, you know, and young adults, you know, at different stages at these you know, kind of critical stages to kind of see if it, we can right. really broaden our view. So that's really, mm -hmm. really interesting. Um you know, I did want to come back to as well, like just when we think about, because I'm going to come back to kind of this life side of things, but when we, you know, I'm kind of curious now during the pandemic, you know, when we talked previously, you said that people feel a stigma in saying that they are burnt out. And you even mentioned earlier in our this conversation 
that you even, even you, and I kind of agree, like, should we move away from this term of burnout? Like there seems like there's so much attached to this word. And I was wondering if you could just share a little bit more about what you're seeing in terms of the stigma around burnout at this time of the pandemic, the pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, I think the most common thing I see is that people who are very clearly burnt out think that it's not them, right? They always think it's someone else. And there's, you know, like, oh no, that person's in worse shape than me, (laughs) right? Like, or this colleague that I work with, they're burnt out. I'm not burnt out. And so part of it is that there's this complete kind of like lapse of really being like, take a look, like you're, you're, crying in the bathroom, things aren't okay right now. It's not. Um, And I also think like you were saying, there's so many layers on top of the pandemic right now, because there, there are certain things that are unavoidable and that are difficult. You know, I I think zoom fatigue is real and, you know, having all these business meetings and, you know, one thing I know has happened to me is like, I feel like I'm losing context of things because I'm always sitting in the same place talking to different people, but sitting in the same place. And it's become almost this norm that people are having no boundaries between their office and their home. And, you know, people feel they need to put in more hours because they're now working from home and they don't have a commute or they simply are like uh, trying to teach their kids and then working until 9 PM, trying to catch up on things. And just this whole like this is what it has become and this is somehow the norm. So people don't think that they're burnt out. This is just what it is, Mm. you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that's kind of where we are right now. And I, you know, I do think it's so important to remember that, you know, we have the ability to change the situation we're in. No one else does, right? Like we can't change that there's a pandemic right now. Can we be unhappy with it? Yes. But can we really actually change the situation? No. Can we change that we're working from home and that some people have kids that they're dealing with, trying to teach them things and all of this? No, but there are things that we can do to overcome those and change the way we're working and change our perspectives and really shift all of that. Um, And I just think that's a really important piece, though I think I went a little bit off topic there. No, no, you didn't. (laughs) You didn't at all, actually. I I think that... um, because one of the things, well, you're in terms of like people, I, I'm going to come back to because you started to go around like, well, what can we do about it? Right. And mm-hmm. all all very relevant. And I'm for the people that like aren't able to be aware of it. I'm wondering if you find that, like, do you have a checklist of questions to ask yourself, you know, to kind of say, like, yes, I qualify that I'm burnt out or I'm, you know, there's something I need to address here. Like it may may not be like like burnout doesn't have to equal like leave job or burnout equals whatever it might have to mean. And I think that's why it maybe just carries so much weight. Um, And I'm wondering, like, does it take somebody working with someone like yourself who can raise the mirror and kind of say, no, look, you have to just see that this is not actually normal and that there are steps you can start to take to start to get, um, 
take back that control? Because I was going to ask you, and this is where you were starting to go, because one of the things I know I struggle with is just setting boundaries. And that um, and that can be both with others in your work and it can be with oneself. Like I know for myself, um, I have a hard time setting boundaries and usually my overwhelm is my own doing. And so I have to take control of myself. So that's where you were starting to go is this idea of like, what are some tips or ways for people to start to set some boundaries? You know, it could be like you said earlier, like, do you have a routine or some norm that starts to take you away from work that you can establish like your dog or having a lunch with a friend or something that you might do with your family? But do you have other ideas of like, how do you really take back your daily life, you know, from the office or when you're at home? Right. Right. So twofold with the first part of that and how do people recognize? Um, I do think that it always helps to have a person or a tool to dig into this, but really it comes down to figuring out, are you happy and are you doing what you truly want? And that sounds so generic and big, but if you put on like not your, I want a million dollars in the lottery hat, but in the perfect world, what would you want your life to look like? You know, reality, knowing that you're going to be working, what would you want to be doing? And when you really start digging into that and you realize that the thing that you want to be doing is so far away from where you are, you start understanding that disconnect. And those are the things that really are, I think, the first thing to understand. Because if you're not happy you know, granted, you might just be unhappy and not burnt out. But I do think that most people I'm working with, and I know you are someone who's like been very passionate about what they're doing, right? And super engaged and loved it. And all of a sudden, it's like the total opposite. So really being like truthful and honest and being able to sit with understanding like, what, what do I want? where am I right now? And like, how do I marry those two things? How do I get from point A to point B? Um, I know I have some tools. I love coaching through this, but I do think that um, having a good meditation, you know, really being honest with yourself, which can be very hard, um, is also equally as as eye-opening. For the second part, which was kind of I think it was, what are the steps, right? And like, how do you, what the boundaries and like things like that, what can you do? Um, So for that one, I do think it's, it is very important. Like, I'll be honest, you know, everyone is different and varies. There's no magic wand. I wish there was though, you know, maybe I wouldn't be here if there was. So there's that. But I think that there's a few things. Boundaries is a huge one of them. The way you work, figuring out, um, are you being effective and efficient? And how are you working? A lot of times, some of the things that we're doing regularly are actually inefficient, but a lot of us get very stuck in our ways or we don't even think about it. I have um, one person I work with and you know, for her, it was just a matter of like, we had to get her to stop re- rereading the emails she was writing three or four times. You know, It's so simple, but if you put an email out there, you trust it, maybe skim it once, make sure there's no typos, great, send it. How much time have you saved yourself, right? And so once you start doing those things, it becomes, you can kind of pack more into your day 
and then have those guiding fence posts. And I think that's really important. And oftentimes with those guiding fence posts, it's not immediately like I go from working 60 hours a week to working 40. It's how do you shave off half an hour here, half an hour there? So it becomes normal and you don't freak out. Because <laughs> if you just stop doing it and start going with the 40 hours, all of a sudden you're like, I can't get anything done. And you're you're working like 65 hours now <laughs> instead of the 60 you were. So that's a really important part and like really understanding how to stop the overwork. And it's it's, as I said, no magic wand. It is a process because you need to slowly wean yourself out of it and figure out what you can, can't handle. When do you get in the flow where it works for you? Everyone's different there. So that's kind of what I think about with it is that you need the guidepost, but it's it's not going to be magically fixed right away. Yeah. Well, I love so much of what you shared. I mean, on the first piece, and I know I bundled a bunch in that question, but I love that you do go back to this, like, are you happy in doing what you want? Because, you know, I think about this with sustainable ambition and the first pillar is right success. And I think right success is all about defining success on your terms. And I think what I say is like, you know, your work isn't going to be sustainable if you're following somebody else's agenda and you're following the Mm. shoulds. And I think part of what you're bringing up for me around, like, are you happy doing what you want, you know, is, you know, you just need to tap in. Are you still doing what you want or are you doing a should, you know? And then I I appreciate part of um, sustainable ambition as well. The second pillar of right aspiration is that, you know, we go through phases in our career and our satisfaction and our ambition ebbs and flows and changes. And so you do need to check in with yourself over time to kind of say, like you're describing, like, am I still happy with what I'm doing? You know, so I, I really appreciate that you're even, you're like, it may seem simple, but it's a really good question to kind of help, help simplify it down and kind of have people ask themselves, you know, am I happy? Right. And, and it's, it's interesting you say that because, you know, I also think like oftentimes I'm working with people that want to try and keep that passion in their job and they want to get back to that place in a sustainable way and using kind of your terminology, but sometimes that's not where it needs to go. Sometimes they're burnt out because they just need something new and something different. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like both of those are good options as long as they're the right one for the individual really to connect into what they want to be doing every single day with their lives. Yeah. Yeah. And then the second thing that you brought up that I wanted to come back to is just, I really appreciate you acknowledging this, that A, there's no silver bullet, and then B, importantly, this is unique to each of us and that we need to kind of find our way through it and need to find what works best for us. And I think, you know, I kind of feel in this like post-industrial revolution time, we've carried these elements over from that, that it's like, we all must work nine to five. We all must work the one same way. And the reality is we're all wired quite differently and like kind of work our best in different ways. So I kind of take away, it's really important to kind of identify what works for you and then to prototype your way into kind of like testing these things out and, and finding um, some new norms and, uh, you know, routines that really work best for you. Yeah. And it's, it's fascinating because even tying this back into the pandemic question, you know, some people are completely thriving working from home and this has given them, you know, the freedom and the space to actually get out of burnout. And and then there's the flip side of 
the people who are missing the human contact, the like really being there with people who, you know, might swing the total opposite direction. And it's because we all work differently. We need different things. We want different things. We enjoy different things. So absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing I wanted to come back to, too, you and I had talked about this, that because I, I like one of the perspectives that you have, and I and I think it's getting some perspective on like working hard versus what might cause burnout. So like you say, quote, there's nothing wrong with working your ass off in your career. I just want to help people also work their asses off at being happy, healthy, and living their lives when they aren't at work. And so before we get to that second part, because I want to come back to that, but I know I've hated in the past when I felt like I had to hide or apologize for being a hard worker. And some of us are high, you know, just wired to be hard workers. Like you said, we get passionate about what we're doing, you know, or we want, might want to put in the long hours when we're really into, you know, this particular thing that we're working on at the moment, or we want to lean into perhaps, you know, because we know we need to work hard to get a promotion. Maybe we're in flow and we lose track of time. Um, so they're just, you know, our times when work kind of demands that of us. And then I was listening to the masterclass course with Doris Kearns Goodwin, the Pulitzer mm. Prize winning presidential biographer. And she noted that, you know, most successful, strong leaders become great leaders through hard, sustained work. You know, it's not all about talent. So we know that at times we need to put in the work. So with all that said, I'm curious what your thoughts are when it's like, when is it okay to work our asses off? And when should one question the effort they're putting in? Right, right. Well, you know, I think that's a great question. And I do think that thinking about how long-term this is and thinking about what the expectation is moving forward. A lot of times people start, you know, putting in lots of hours and then they think that's their norm. When you get to the point where it's like, this is my norm, I have to do this. If I don't do this, I will look like I'm not showing up. I will look like I'm not doing my best I can. I do think that's one piece of it. And, you know, another part is learning how to work hard in a way that you are showing up, that people are seeing that you're showing up and you were there 100% of the time, but that doesn't mean you're there 60 hours a week. So how do you show up in the time that you are there? How do you work with the other people? Is it delegating? Is it mentorship? Is it, you know, there's all of these things that you can do to change the way you're showing up so that you can come across as that dedicated, hardworking person you are, but not necessarily, it doesn't always have to be in hours, right? Which is just the most common way we think about it. And so how can you change that to be like, I'm still showing up as the best I can and I'm putting everything into this job, but that doesn't mean they need all of my time in the world. So I think it's figuring that out, but also knowing that there will be ebbs and flows. And I think that's totally natural. And I, yeah, you and I talked about it before where it's like, we both can get very geeky into things and, you know, go, 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 go. And then, you know, you're kind of like, whoa, okay, I need to take a break. I need to like breathe a little bit. And as long as you're recognizing that in yourself and that's not becoming, oh, this needs to be my norm now. I think you're going to be okay because it is natural. And I, I actually believe that going with your flow and your own natural way of working is going to serve you 
best is going to serve anyone best. Um, though, as you said, sometimes it's a little hard because we have this idea of like what we should be doing and what, you know, our country now looks like at least specific here in the U S to what is normal work. And that's challenging with some organizations. And I, I hope that organizations with the changes with the pandemic can start seeing that there can be more flexibility and people can still show up and do an awesome job. And if you have people who are happier and working at the time that's best for them, they're actually going to be more engaged, likely to stay at their work and, you know, more dedicated to their organization. So it's kind of like turning everything on its back that we've learned in the past, I don't know, 50 plus years, but in a, in a very good way. Like there, there can be good things that come out of the pandemic, right? Like let's, let's hope. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. No, I think that's absolutely true that we, if we don't learn lessons from this time and, you know, make things better going forward, then shame on us. Right. Um, so, but it Mm -hmm. takes awareness and really actively, um, looking to put into place both for ourselves and within our organizations, new practices that serve workers better. Um, Yeah. So I wanted to come back to that second part where you say you want people to work their asses off at being happy, healthy, and living their lives when they aren't at work. And I'll come back to Doris Kearns Goodwin because in her class, uh, she goes on to talk about the importance of leaders relaxing and recharging. And she shares how Abraham Lincoln went to the theater more than 100 times during the Civil War. And when people would criticize him for doing so, he said, if he didn't go, the anxiety would kill him. So there was this release valve or this like element of relaxing, recharging. So what does it look like to work your ass off about being happy and healthy and living life? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. Um, and, and for me, it's really just putting the time and effort into yourself and those things that light you up and the things that we tend to, we tend to put them kind of on the back burner, right. Compared to other things. And, and, you know, the dreams we think of, and I always like to think back of, um, people ask those questions like to 80 year olds, what would you tell your younger self? Right. And that's the message they're usually saying, which is like, enjoy your life, figure out the things that make you happy and do them. And don't wait, don't say, I'll do that when I retire. How do you incorporate all of those things into your life and make the time and the space for them? That's also very important. And that's probably the most basic part of it, but really recognizing what that is, you know, when you're kind of burnt out and your, your identity is so held up in your career, sometimes it's hard to even realize what those things need to be. So it's sitting and thinking like, I don't know, what do I dream about going on vacation all the time? And I never take it. Okay. What, what do you need to do to make sure you're taking that vacation? What do you need to do to make sure that you're having dinner with a friend once a week, you know, seeing family, whatever it might be, but it really is those things require effort too. And oftentimes we sacrifice those when we're putting all of our effort and energy into work. So you got to put as much energy there as you do showing up at the office. I think that's such an important insight that these things that are important to build what I call work-life resilience 
they take attention. They take a to-do list just like your work to-do list and not to make it feel cumbersome, but it will take you taking action to make those a priority in your life. So I appreciate that you're transparent about that and acknowledging that and making people realize that, you know, it's an action that one needs to take and something that they need to pay attention to. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, you know, it's funny the amount of times I have um, said no to doing things and then I'm like, I would have enjoyed that. Why didn't I do that? I was tired. Yeah. Silly. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, Well, Talia, this has been a wonderful conversation. I've learned so much. I'd love to just ask you one final piece of advice um, that you might be able to leave our listeners with, because you talk about this idea of like, again, let's all agree that our careers are super important and our happiness and fulfillment in life are too. Let's get back to working to have a great career and a great life. Now, this may be a big, big question, but just is there a final piece of advice that you would leave our listeners with around this? Like, what should they be thinking about to really get back to working to have a great career and a great life? Yeah, and I think you're right. I could say so many things right now, but thinking about kind of what we've been talking about, I think it's really just, sitting with and figuring out what, what makes you happy. And that that's a twofold question because there's things that make you happy at work, doing work you love, showing up there, liking the people you work with, feeling aligned with the person that you're being when you're in the office. But then there's also the other side, which is figuring out who, who do I want to be? What makes me happy? What, what are the things that make me excited to be living my life? What are the things that I want to look forward to be doing on the weekends, not just resting? Like, how do you show up in all those different places? And the only way you can show up as your best self is by knowing what you truly want. And I think uh, you might've said earlier, kind of all the shooting that we do for ourselves. And we really need to learn how to break that and stop saying, I should be doing this. I should be doing that. And really focusing on the, like, what do you want to do? Like in reality, because that is the most important thing. And that's how you're going to be able to show up across your life is by doing what, what brings you that enjoyment, that life, that yummy feeling. I love that. I think both all of what you said in terms of both bringing this awareness to both, don't just think about your work life. Think about what makes your whole life you know, brings happiness to your entire life. And, you know, this idea of not falling into the shoulds and really paying attention to what you want. So such important advice. And I love telling you how you like simplify things down for us. It's really, really helpful and make things so clear and give people some core kind of phrases or questions to come back to, to really center themselves around this. So wonderful. What can we do for you and where can people find you to keep in touch? Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, what you can do for me is just spread all of the, the word. I know we have the same type of message, Kathy. So it's really like, let's figure out the best way to work and imagine what can come out of that just spread the word. Um, If you want to hear more from me, I would love to get connected further. My website is tr, Talia Rosalind, 
lifecoaching.com. So trlifecoaching.com. Um, sign up for newsletters, all sorts of information. And I post events that I'm doing, talks, um, all that type of stuff. And I'd love to just spread as much goodness as I can because I'm very passionate about the topic. <laughs> Wonderful, Talia. Thank you again for being with us today. This has been a fabulous conversation. I'm so glad you were on with us today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Sustainable Ambition Podcast. I hope you take away at least one learning or inspiration from today's conversation. Find more inspiring interviews and get show notes for this episode at sustainableambition.com slash podcast. Make sure you don't miss an episode or my insider tips, guides, and tools by signing up for Sustainable Ambition Forum, my twice monthly newsletter. Sign up at sustainableambition.com slash subscribe. And remember, it's not about finding work-life balance. It's about building work-life resilience. Thanks again for joining me. Speak with you next time.